the incomparable Adrian Broadus. I'm merely Steve Kaplowitz. Welcome back, everybody, as we get going. Three hours with you today. Seven o'clock, the cutoff time. Good show as well. We've got um, Diego Luna stopping by the Lubingo Oil Changer Studios in our five o'clock hour. Super excited about that. One of the great young phenoms in the professional soccer world who took over uh, um, Locomotive FC by storm last year. Luna since has moved on, but he's back in El Paso. We'll talk to Diego coming up in our 5 o'clock hour. Also in the 5 o'clock hour, we're going to say hello to Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. We've got Jeff Erickson in about 20 minutes from uh, Rotowire. And then in our 6 o'clock hour, Lane Frank and special guest Rachel Phillips. Excited about those two uh, coming on uh, and talking, uh, picking some games and having some fun. Uh, let's begin the show where everybody was talking about last night. Minor talk was on fire, and uh, unfortunately the Miners were not on fire. That was the problem. Um, they were embarrassed, humiliated, uh, however you want to put it, destroyed by New Mexico State in the Battle of I-10 last night, a game in which the Miners, um, you know, they they came out with nothing, no intensity, didn't show. Um, And I heard Joe Golding after the game uh, take responsibility. Hey, look, he has to take responsibility because this really one, this one's on Joe. It's on the whole team, okay? Team was flat, coaches didn't prepare. We know all that. It's true. I never expected UTEP to give up 95 points to anybody this season, let alone them, after the way the first game went, but they couldn't miss. Um, UTEP, I mean, they scored 70 points, which normally would be enough for them, but not when you give up 95, Adrian. And uh, again, uh, a lot of fans trying to reevaluate this team and this situation after what was such a blowout last night. Yeah, and you know, you now look at uh, last week as one of those. I know that there were some people who started making excuses like, wow, was this team gas from last week? They also said, well, the refs uh, had way too many calls in favor of New Mexico State. Uh, and then talking about how the, you know, UTEP is a little shorthanded right now. Otis Frazier just playing seven minutes. No Malik Zachary last night. Uh, Dos Anjos is trying to come his, uh, come back, but it's still a little bit of ways away from him to return to the lineup and uh, minor fans are making excuses but I think that you could kind of see through the excuses and just say simply put UTEP played bad last night it was a bad game plan and they're going to have to regroup not ahead of Saturday that's the easy one for the minors uh, coming up uh, against northern New Mexico they're going to have to regroup ahead of next Saturday that's at DePaul and that's a huge road game for the minors yep um, I'm with you on that one and listen the <laughs> That is going to be a, a tough, tough game. Number one, it's it's DePaul, and it's a road game. And we have now have seen, after what happened last night, uh, that, this ba- that this basketball team uh, still uh, has issues. It's the best way to put it. They do. Um, DePaul, I was trying to look and see where DePaul is so far, Adrian. In the standings, at least uh, early on, uh, they are 4-3. and 3-1 three. Three and one at home, and... Um, you know, they've, I guess they've lost some neutral site games, but yeah, DePaul finds themselves four and three right now, lost to Santa Clara, Oklahoma state and A&M three tough teams. And by the way, they lost to Santa Clara by eight, Oklahoma state by four, A&M, uh, beat them pretty good by 16. And they have wins over Sanford, 
Minnesota, Western Illinois, and Loyola, Maryland. So we'll see what happens. Very ch- uh, challenging conference they play in as well in the Big East. Uh, they've got some familiar faces on their team. Umoja Gibson, that's somebody miners know a l- very well. He played with North Texas, lit it up over there, transferred to Oklahoma, didn't work out. Now he's at DePaul. Uh, Javon Johnson, also out of the Big 12, he went to uh, uh, Iowa State. He's a significant player for them. So this will be a tough test for the miners coming up in uh, you know next Saturday. And uh, they're going to have to prove to people they can win on the road when it counts. I, I know that they played in those close scrimmages. I know they played Texas really well to start the year, but they have to get better when it comes to road competition. Well, listen, defensively is the issue right now. We, we already know their offensive woes. I know you and I disagree on this. I don't think the offense gets better. I, as a whole, I don't. I think they struggle to shoot and struggle to score all season long, which is why the defense and their hustle and their, and their effort has to be their calling card. Because if it's not, this team is, is going to have a really, really hard time when they start conference play. So, to me... I mean, you saw last night, New Mexico State can shoot, um, shoot lights out. They got athletes going like, I mean, their athletes are, they, they have too many. They have so many athletes, they don't know what to do with all of them right now. And that's just the truth. And it was all on display last night at the Pan Am Center. And other than Tay Hardy and uh, Mario McKinney Jr., they couldn't score. They, they still had some problems with free throws. Um, you know, turnovers are an issue, too. And, and and the miners can't shoot the basketball. But I mean, we've known that. I, I mean, I knew that when I watched them practice that they had a hard time shooting. So if that's the case, they got to win with all the other intangibles, Adrian. And it wasn't on display at all last night. That's right. I, I feel like you said it earlier, and I'll just repeat what you said. UTEP scored 70, which was enough for this team, but they did not do enough defensively to win this game. And it's 58% shooting that they allowed from the field against New Mexico State, 50% from beyond the arc. They allowed the Aggies to score 12 three-pointers. You can't win in, in a game when you do that defensively. I just didn't like UTEP's game plan. I'm not overreacting to this one right here. I feel like UTEP can bounce back. As far as offense goes, they haven't proved anything this year. They right. have to prove that they could turn some kind of a court corner to be a consistent offensive scoring team last week when they had leads they couldn't protect him because they simply couldn't score in stretches adrian just uh, tweeted the show at enemy win the number three steve it feels like nmsu has moved ahead of us in athletics in one year what is going on football and basketball look further along than utep well first off let me let me just say this adrian basketball's always been ahead of utep all right let's just let's just make that clear UTEP has not been near New Mexico State in men's basketball in probably a little over a decade. So uh, basketball is not even the question. They've always been ahead. Chris Jans owned UTEP. Hire's uh, performance yesterday was, uh, was, was epic. And outside of the Miners' win, I mean, they've been getting owned in basketball for the last seven years. So right then and there, uh, yeah, UTEP is not close to New Mexico State in basketball. Still not. As far as football goes, hey, we'll I mean, we'll see it soon enough. They're five and six. They just got they just got today the waiver to go bowling. So now they're gonna be in a bowl game this year in the first year of Jerry Kill. And Jerry Kill, this is what he does, Adrian. He takes programs like this and he turns them into winners. Normally it takes two or three years, which means two or three years from now, Jerry Kill could have a 10 and 2 New Mexico State football team. 
It's very, it's very possible. And I think the same argument you just made for uh, U, uh, NMSU being ahead of UTEP in basketball, you might be able to make that same argument in football if you just look over the past decade, right? Miners over the past decade have had two winning seasons. One came in 2014 with Sean Coogler. The other came last year with uh, Dana Dimmel. In both of those seasons, they lost their bowl game. In the last decade, the Aggies have had one winning season, but they actually won that bowl game. And they qualified for a bowl game this year. So you figure, uh, not necessarily a, a winning record, so to speak, this year, but making a, two trips to a bowl game, uh, having won one already in that 10-year 10, 10 span. Uh, I think the overall, and somebody called in on minor talk. I, I forgot who it was but I, I want to give them credit for saying this yesterday. Uh, they were saying UTEP has this sense of kind of like, well, we're better than NMSU. But next year, it's it's on middle ground. I mean, yep. they're both in the same conference. The same way UNM looks down on UTEP for being in Conference USA is the same way that UTEP looks down on NMSU for being in the WAC and independent, and that will change next year so the, the playing field is even in my eyes. I'm with you on that one. I'm totally with you. So, yeah, it's 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 remarkable. When we're talking about these two programs, it really is. And again, um, you know, they're on the same league starting next year. And that's when it's really going to start to sting UTEP. If you start to see New Mexico State shoot up above them in football and men's basketball, that's when, especially with half the budget. Uh, that's go- or, or more than that, that's when it's really going to hit home. Yeah, and especially since uh, they will likely be recruiting the same athletes, and recruiting battles will never get tougher now between basketball, between football, now than they are right now between UTEP and NMSU. Say hello to Victor, uh, Mr. Mr. Aggie himself. I understand that when Mario Mocha was getting ready today to have a press conference to announce that they received their, um, their bowl waiver, Victor was like already on the line to congratulate Mario on his personal cell phone. Is that true? I think so, yeah. I, I sent him a, a, me- a text message. I wasn't aware that was the situation when he was getting ready to, to announce, man. But, you know, Stephen Adrian... I feel like Santa Claus brought me my two gifts, my my first two Christmas gifts from this year. Well, that's early. good. I am. Yeah. I'm. I'm. You know, I'm very, very happy, very proud of Coach Hire and Coach Kill. You should be, and everybody associated with with both uh, both teams. You know. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, 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 look, the Aggies slaughtered the Miners last night in basketball, and uh, football just got to go to a bowl game in their first year with Jerry Kill. I'd be pretty excited, too, if I'm an NMSU fan. Absolutely. I would be really, really, really sad and disappointed if the crowd doesn't show up tomorrow. I'm not tomorrow. I mean, Saturday, Steve. Oh, I, I'm willing I, to bet. You'll probably end up getting 20. 20,000 you think? I hope so for your I mean for I don't know. I mean yeah, well, yeah. you get to use your you get to use your San Jose State tickets to get in. So there's all those fans to begin with and then maybe there'll be others that'll just join the party and now that they're going bowling, the students will all show up to try to send off the senior team. It's possible. The, the only thing that could damper it and and I understand that football is played in in snowy weather and mm-hmm. rainy weather and that the the weather this weekend is not supposed to be con, uh, not it's not supposed to be too nice. So uh, they're calling for a good chance of rain in in cruises on Saturday, um, uh, and part of it will be during the 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 Aggie Valpo game. So we'll see how how that ends up coming out. You know, Listen, up. as long as the alcohol's flowing, fans will be just fine. They're not they're not going to be too worried. They'll be fine. So. I, I agree. You and Adrian keep up the good work. Have a good rest of the day and a good rest of the show, Steve. Okay. Later, my brother. Thanks for the call. There it is, Victor, getting us started here on Sports Talk today. A happy Victor.
Very happy, Victor. You know what? Victor has called in worried. Um, oh. He was. He's called in uh, anxious. He's called in uh, upset and and you know disappointed at times. But he's on cloud nine right now. Oh, hang now. on, hang on. Victor just called back while you were talking, and you know what he said to me? He said, "I almost forgot to ask Adrian for his physical athletics fitness tip of the day before oh, he hung up the phone." Oh my goodness! Victor. Can you please help Victor out there? Thank you. I got you, Victor. And uh, thanks to physical athletics out there, they remind people to never skip a warm up. When you warm up properly, you prepare your body for your workout, and you help prevent injuries. With physical athletics, you can get three big things. Number one, you get access to a strength and conditioning specialist at all times. You get a personalized workout plan customized to how you're feeling on a day to day basis. And plus, you get educations on the best practices for things like nutrition, fitness, and your lifestyle. They're now accepting new clients. They've got athletes eight years old all the way up to the professional level. And Physical Athletics also accepts adults 20 years old all the way up to 80 years old of age for beginners or intermediate levels. It's never too late to start your fitness journey. Started with Physical Athletics. They've got two locations out on the far east side at Joe Battle and Eastlake. You can get a free one-week trial and see why we talk about them all the time. All you have to do is call Call or text 915-996-4476. That's 915-996-4476 to get started with physical athletics. Twenty past as sports talk continues. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Let's say hello again to Jeff Erickson. From rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for all fantasy sports. Mr. Erickson, how you holding up today? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. It's uh, week 13. There's a lot of good games starting tonight. Uh, we got Bengals Chiefs this weekend, Dolphins and the uh, Niners, and then Vikings Jets. All big games. All matchups against good teams. Sometimes you get like one matchup between two teams with winning records or 500 records. That's true. We got a lot of them this week. There were some clunkers last week, man. It was, it was not a yeah. good week. It was a good week for me. Oh, Bengals fan. Bengals Titans was a good game. And, you know, Titans Eagles is another one this week, too. So, yeah, but you're right. There weren't too many great games, but I I was I'm I'm in a good place with my Bengals fandom right now. You should be in a good place after beating the Titans. Uh, Who was the player that was cursing off the field and going right at the fans as he was leaving? Oh, that was one of their offensive linemen. And that's in part because there was a lot of like shenanigans going on in the muck there on the kneel down. So, uh a couple, I guess there was a couple cheap shots by the uh, Titans linemen is from what I'm reading now. Uh, I think Alex Kappa was the guy. Uh, that's right. It was Kappa who had that crazy line and, and was just going right at yeah. the fans. Hey, but um, I didn't realize that Cincinnati and Tennessee don't like each other like that until this game. That's, it's pretty interesting how those two have that kind of rivalry established. Well, I think a playoff game changes things, right? True. Um, they had that last year. I don't think they had a rivalry prior to that. Um, but, you know, just you know, games that have heft and meaning – you start to bring the emotions there. And, uh, you know, after that, it's pretty wild and, you know, things can happen. So, and they're probably, you know, they're both probably going to be in the playoffs again, too. Tennessee's certainly going to be there because of their division. Cincinnati's on pace to get there, too. When are we done with bye weeks? How many more weeks do we have to go until this finally comes to an end? So we got the two teams this week, Arizona and Carolina, and we got six teams on bye next week. So, and that's the last one, week 14. And then it's like fantasy playoffs after that. Yeah, exactly right. So, and I don't know about you, but man, in the league that I commissioner, it seems like there is so much separation between first and second place and the rest of the league. It's just one of those years where they are running away with this. And to be honest, it's like, it's like historic record pace in our, in one of our leagues this year. It's crazy. 
Is this a keeper league or is this a? Yeah, you get two. This, you get you can keep two players. Two players. That that might matter a little bit. Um, that that encourages separation a little bit because some teams that have worse keepers. Plus, there's just some clear right and wrong answers. My biggest miss of the year, Josh Jacobs. Don't have him. I'm in 20 leagues. I don't have him anywhere. Not only do I not have him, but I was like actively avoiding him, telling people to avoid him. It's my biggest L of the year by far. Uh, biggest W of the year. What would that be? Uh, biggest W of the year is probably Jalen Hurts. Uh, have him in a lot of places. I actually I warned people away from Cam Akers. That one I, I'm gonna I, I did I did good there. You did great there. In fact, Adrian, uh, you're a huge Rams fan. Did you avoid Cam Akers? Uh, you know, for all intents purposes. Unfortunately, not. Unfortunately, I did not listen to Jeff Erickson uh, when it came to that, and I had Cam Akers. I think there was one week, uh, Jeff, where I was thinking, do I hold on to him? Do I uh, do I let him go? And I kept him, and I've kept him all the way through. Now, uh, Henderson has been has been waived uh, ever since. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, I've had Cam Akers. I did not listen to the Rotorwire advice that I should have. So, unfortunately oh. for me. Uh, um, you know, I, I took a step back when it came to some running back groups. Jeff, what are you going to do, right? There's nothing you can do there. Well, and it's cost of acquisition, too. Like, I actually picked him up in a couple leagues now. Sure, that he's freely available, and, and and Henderson's gone. So, yeah, it makes sense to roster him now, but I didn't spend that fifth-round pick or third-round pick or depending on where you drafted. If you drafted at the very end of draft season, you could get him in six or seven because he was already starting to fall like a rock. But uh, even then. Henderson's been more value that, that you know valuable, but it they've both been it's just been a disaster. And the Rams might be the worst team in football right now, the worst offensive team in football, uh, and that that's saying a lot because there's a lot of bad teams right now. I mean, I think Houston's just difficult to watch. The Broncos have been just a clown show all year. Um, there's a lot of bad offensive teams. As far as the waiver wire goes, uh, is it are you at a point now where it's almost impossible to find good bargains this late in the season? You know, we, we got Zonovan Bam Knight this week that might be starting for an, a playoff team in the Jets. Had 100 combined yards last week. Uh, we'll see if Michael Carter plays. But, you know, it's it's a weird week because there's all these running back injuries and opportunities opening up. Elijah Mitchell's out. We don't know what's going to happen in Pittsburgh. It could be Jalen Warren. could be Benny Suggs. Suggs is hurt in his own right. Harris might play. Who knows? Uh, the, tr- Jacksonville, ETN may or may not play. And that, that opens up the door for some players. You know, it, it's really weird to have like five teams that you can speculate on this time of year. Plus, there's Deshaun Watson coming at, back, and that's a huge story, especially in your neck of the woods, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's another one where you, you ask me what he's going to do. I, I'm going to just throw up my hands and say, I don't know. I really don't know. Jeff, when it comes to just uh, evaluating some of the quarterbacks who are still out there right now or who are already taken, uh, Lamar Jackson taking a little bit of a you know step back in terms of scoring recently. Uh, you have other quarterbacks like uh, Jay, uh, you know, Justin Fields, who's really surged, although he's hurt right now. How do we evaluate this position when it comes to you know going with the traditional pocket passer or going with the quarterback who can run? Well, I think there's a big trend in the NFL to emphasize uh, having a mobile quarterback. They don't have to be a running quarterback, but they have to be mobile. Like Joe Burrow, he's not going to get you 85 rushing yards, but he can escape the pressure. He can, you know, get a first down here and there. Uh, Herbert, same thing. Uh, That's that's the floor of kind of what you need there. You have to be an incredible pocket passer to overcome that. Um, In today's NFL and also in fantasy, too, because, I mean, those are points that you're uh, you're getting that are kind of free points. Um, and that just raises the, the floor. Now, it's interesting you mentioned Fields because there's news on him. He had a full practice today. You know, it was expected to be a limited practice. It was limited yesterday. I came into the week thinking he wouldn't play. Now, I think he might. 
Uh, it, it doesn't hurt that Trevor Simeon hasn't practiced the last two days. They may not. They may want to do everything they can to avoid Tim Boyle and Nathan Peterman as your starting quarterback for a, a divisional rivalry game. Whether they care or not about their one loss record in the front office, you still you don't want to put out an embarrassing product. So uh, Fields might play. By the way, uh, does Justin Fields? Oh, hang on one second. There we go. Probably there we go. That would make sense. Uh, does Justin Fields eventually become a top five fantasy quarterback, or are there just too many good ones in front of him to where you can see him as the top five guy? Oh, I can see it. In fact, there were weeks where I was ranking him three or four in my ranking. So. The only one I'm going to start Patrick Mahomes over him every week. I mean, I don't have a problem with that unless Mahomes is hurt or something like that. But uh, I mean, I, I think Mahomes and Allen, a healthy Allen, a caveat there, are going to go ahead of Fields. I think Jalen Hurts goes ahead of him. You know, I, I currently I bumped Fields up just uh, before we did this. I'm still in the midst of updating my our running backs, but um, I put Fields all the way up to eight. I've got uh, you know the, the Mahomes, Hurts, Allen. Burrow, Herbert, Dak, and Tua ahead of Fields this week, and that's it. I mean, I don't know what to expect out of Lamar with his quadriceps injury. I don't know expect that out of uh, Watson just in his first game back. Jeff Erickson with us, rotowire.com, as we continue here on Sports Talk 28 now past the hour. You mentioned missing on Jacobs. I think everybody missed on Jacobs. Let's be honest. We thought he'd be traded. Uh, just wasn't considered, you know, at the start of the year, you had Jonathan Taylor. He was uh, still a hot pick. Derrick Henry was still hot. Delvin Cook. I mean, you had those with McCaffrey. And now mm-hmm. you look at the way things have gone. You know, Nick Chubbs had a great year fantasy-wise. Jacobs. Um, Eckler has been terrific. It's interesting because as Jonathan Taylor, Taylor exploded last year. You know, he's not that elite number one, number two each and every week this time around. Yeah, uh, that's true. Um, Eckler's been great, though. I mean, I'll take him what he's done for me easily. He's the number one fantasy running back in PPR leagues. Jacob's the number one in standard leagues right now. Uh, Yeah, it it has been tough. There's been some minefields. It's the degree to which I missed is why I'm beating myself up. There are leagues where I could have got him in the fifth or sixth round. And I said, no, I don't want any part of that. Um, give me, give me Allen Robinson instead or some, something like that. It's just as a point of comparison there. Uh, had I not you know, whiffed on that, I mean, I can only imagine what this season would have looked like, but for me, but, uh, it's just a reminder though, you, you got to look at potential usage. Same thing with Miles Sanders. He was a bargain in a lot of leagues too. Uh, yes, Cam Akers is the counter example for what can go wrong, but, you know, it's, there, there's a price point for everyone, and you, you kind of have to get past that. I think too many people freaked out about him playing in the Hall of Fame game when all the other starters sat out. I know I did a little bit. Uh, I knew the contract situation, but I also knew that, you know, there's Amir White and Amir Abdullah were, were his backups. I guess I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more Zamir White than we did. We just haven't. Jeff, when it comes to looking at uh, the Green Bay Packers moving forward, it looks like Aaron Rodgers was uh, asked by reporters uh, earlier about if he would be willing to shut it down uh, if they're out of playoff contention. What is? I mean, you know, it, I'm, I'm asking the obvious, but what does it do to all his weapons that we see on the Packers? Well, I mean, we saw a glimpse on Sunday night against the Eagles when Jordan Love came in and actually looked okay, although Watson was so wide open on that play. I'm not going to give uh, Love a whole lot of credit there. I'm giving more of the credit to Watson on that one there. But, hey, a receiver can make the quarterback, and the Packers kind of owe it to themselves to see if Love can play too. They're 4-8 and eight right now. They got the bye week next week. I actually think this is the a good opportunity to start Love. Uh, let Rodgers heal both the thumb and the ribs. 
Uh, but he doesn't want to sit out a rivalry game against the Bears. He's talked so much smack against them over the years, too. Uh, I, you know, it's funny. I, you know, out of contention is not the same thing as you know, mathematically eliminated. So that's going to let him hang on for a little bit longer. Uh, the NFC being what it is, too. He'll, he might hang on even past the bye. But I, I do think they got to see what they're going to have out of Jordan Love at some point. If we look at receivers this season, is there a bigger surprise than uh, what St. Brown's been able to do out there in Detroit? You know what? I think some people expected it. He was getting drafted in the fourth round. I mean, it's not really too far off from what we expected. Um, I'll, you know, I, yeah, I guess the, the height that he's climbed, maybe a little bit there, um, is, is a little bit of a shock. Uh, I would say a surprise on a negative standpoint is Mike Evans. He hasn't scored since in like nine weeks. Uh, part of that is that that horrible drop against Carolina, whereas in a walk-in score, if he holds on to it there, but um, the Bucks' offensive line has just been so eradicated that you know Brady can't find time to throw deep. They're they're just off. There's no deep patterns at all connecting, and Evans has really paid the price for that. Positive, um, a positive surprise. Zay Jones, I think that's a good one there. Uh, the game, the game, and you now he hasn't been able to do it every week. He's been banged up a little bit, but he's proven a couple different times that he can be a heavy target guy. He was unguardable last week against Baltimore. I'm, I'm eager to see if. Uh, what happens next year when they have Kirk, Zay Jones, and Calvin Ridley? Speaking of banged up, I know Josh Allen's been banged up since week nine. Do you think that's why we've seen his uh, his numbers tail off here over the last uh, three weeks? 100%. That's all. I think it's all injury. I think you can see it some of these intermediate throws where he's just way off. As far as tonight's matchup goes with uh, Buffalo and New England, uh, outside of the obvious, who else are you uh, jumping all over as far as uh, must uh, must starts tonight? Yeah, I mean, Stevenson, I would make as almost my captain, I think, in showdowns uh, because I think, he, you know, no, no Damian Harris this week. I think you're going to see a lot of Ramondre Stevenson, both in the passing game and the running game. So he's the one constant in the uh, pa- uh, Pats offense that we can count on. Everybody else is kind of variable, I guess. Uh, and, and you look at the receivers, they're all injured a little bit there, too, and they're just they fluctuate. Um I mean, I think it's a, a go back to your root sort of game. Diggs always does well against the Pats, despite their reputation of taking away your best player. Uh, they haven't been able to do it against Stephon Diggs. Meanwhile, let's get back to Watson for just a second. He's finally mm-hmm. eligible to play right now. We know what he was like before the the absence uh, that started uh, a year ago. Uh, you tell me, what do you think uh, we should expect from uh, Deshaun Watson when he's uh, back under center for the Browns? So I think the he, you know first couple of drives, I think, mean, might be a little dicey. We'll see. I mean, he didn't look good in the preseason in the one game he played, but um, – I think you're going to see a lot of running early from them because the te- the Texans are pretty bad at stopping the run. The Browns are really good at running the ball. Nick Chubb is a good running back. He, he's one of the you know, five yards of carry every year. It's amazing how good he is. So I think you get that going, and that allows play action to work a little bit better. I think he works well with Njoku. I want to see if he can you know get any deep balls going to Cooper there. That's going to be something I want to watch a little bit there, see if he can be an elevator, something that's better than uh, Jacoby Brissett. As a Jets fan, I'm thrilled with Mike White. I'm I'm already out on the um you know the the Zach uh, the Zach bandwagon right now. I'm pretty much done with Wilson. Uh, I liked White. I don't. I mean, I don't know what his ceiling is. You might say Wilson's got a higher ceiling, but Wilson's a disaster. Mike White at least looks like he came in ready to play last week, and I know Jet fans are excited because they still view this as a playoff team. 
Yeah, and he has another good matchup this week against the Vikings in terms of at least uh, passing yards. We'll see what sort of pass rush they get on White. I mean, the Bears don't have a pass rush. And I think this you, you couldn't have asked for a nicer setup for him to make his first start of the year. I think that there's going to be some hiccups down the road. But this this game, at least, that this is a pretty good setup. And this, uh, this upcoming, we should be pretty decent, too. I've got him at 16 in my rankings. That's a pretty good bump up. It's still not an automatic start, but... If you got Kyler Murray on by this week, you could do worse than White. I mean, I think it's White and Kenny Pickett are the two like pivots this week. Uh, we've seen uh, that uh, it looks like Kyle Pitts is out for the year for the Falcons. Um, that's uh, we've talked about surprises all sh- all uh, segment long, Jeff. That's one of the surprises out there. If you're in a dynasty league and you have Kyle Pitts, do you look to trade him or do you try to hold on to him, hoping that you might he might get a quarterback down the line who's better than Marcus Mariota? I trade for him right now, especially, you know, I understand, you know, you got to win right now. If you got a chance to win the league flags fly forever and all that. But I think this is a buying opportunity because you can't have a passing offense that's possibly as bad as it's been this year. It can't be any worse than that. And almost certainly is going to be better no matter who the quarterback is next year. We know it's not going to be Mariota. It's either going to be Ritter or it's going to be someone else from the outside. I think that's one of the big failures of the Falcons season. I think they're in such a mirage of a division that they're convinced themselves that they're still contenders. So they're going to hang on to Mariota to the bloody end. Um, and I think it's just a waste of a year. I think it's a waste. It was a waste of pits, and it's a waste of Drake London. Jeff, before we wrap it up with you, let's uh, switch sports. Go to baseball a little bit. Give me your thoughts, fantasy wise, on uh, Jose Abreu going now to the Astros, and where you see that move uh, affects his value, if any, for next season. Well, I mean, his counting stats might actually go up because he's in such a good lineup. Uh, and I think the Crawford boxes are going to mask some of his decline. Uh, so I think it's a pretty good landing spot. He was already in a pretty good offensive ballpark. Now he goes to Houston, which actually, as a general ballpark, is not that great of a hitting ballpark. But for power, for right-handed hitters down the line, I think he's going to benefit much like Alex Bregman's benefited over the years. I think this is going to be a case where he keeps the home runs up. Maybe not necessarily other metrics, but runs, home runs and RBI will be fine. Let's talk about what you've got going on right now. It's a Rotowire, uh, not just uh, football, but other sports. You could talk baseball, soccer. What do you have up on the website? Oh, yeah, we've got everything covered there. You know, it's 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 an amazing sports season right now. Everything's got news, whether it's baseballs, offseason, hot season, hot stove season, whether it's World Cup coverage. I mean, the World Cup's been bonkers, guys. I mean, it's been so fun the last couple of days. Uh, just this this whole like the tension of elimination just really raises the level of intensity of these games. It's been so much fun to watch. I love that we got those during the day and we cover that from a DFS and betting standpoint up on the site. You guys can check it out, rotowire.com slash free, no credit card required. Terrific stuff as always, Jeff. Appreciate the time, and we'll look forward to doing it right back here again with you next week on the show. Awesome. Take care, guys. Jeff Erickson, folks, as we continue here on the program, 37 past. Let's get a sports center in with Adrian, and then we'll come back and wrap up our one of three here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Dodger Stadium a few weeks ago on Disney Channel, Disney Network. I think that's what it calls Disney. Uh, is it Disney? What is it? Disney Network. Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Thank there you. you. Go. Disney Network. Disney Channel. So you, you know what I mean. And I, I like Elton John's shows now. They're good. His voice got a lot deeper. Puts on an amazing show. But this is like the voice that I grew up with. This is like the voice of my childhood. So yeah. And anytime you get to play classics like uh, Country Comfort, yeah, I get a uh, little. Uh, a little reminiscent those of uh, those days. Nice. 
Elton John's the man, Steve. I, I got to dive into a little bit more Elton John. Everything I hear is always great. You need to get into the catalog. There's no doubt about it. And watch some of those old shows. Go watch some of those vintage uh, 70s concerts. Oh, my. There was, there, was, there was nobody like it. Nobody. And, again, I've seen him live a ton, but I saw him live pretty much after his voice changed when he couldn't get to the high notes anymore. And it's still good. I mean, it's still Elton. He still plays the piano like nobody else. But that, uh, you know. That voice that you just heard right there. Oh. And it's hard because vocalists, there's some that sound the exact same as they did years ago. They haven't changed. And others that just can't do it. And it's tough. They, they, they lose they, it. They do and they and they adjust. Uh, you know, they either have backup vocals that go higher or they just go lower. But it's tough sometimes when you 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 know you miss that because you realize just how great that you know, I, I, you know, how great that voice was live. Yeah, and every time you get to hear some of these old tracks by Elton John, they're they're always so soothing, always the best. I, I love Absolutely. Elton John. Absolutely. Tweets coming in. 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. Uh, Chris Banks, 21, tweets the show. Steve, I told you earlier this year that having a 5'10 guard as your prize transfer recruit wasn't a good sign. NMSU did a better job recruiting and is clearly more talented. However, UTEP fans can't panic. We are still shorthanded and Golding will turn it around. I think I agree with both of those statements. I really do. I still think UTEP has a chance to finish top four, top five in the league. But you got to realize something. If they don't play defense, this is what will happen. I mean, that's to me, that's the biggest takeaway from last night's game, besides the fact that it was a rivalry game and they let New Mexico State score 95 on them. This is, the, this is why they have to guard and pretty much play that style of basketball every single game for 40 minutes a night. Otherwise, this is exactly what could happen, Adrian. Yeah, I feel like NMSU right now might be more talented, but I still feel like when it's all said and done, if UTEP is able to turn the corner just a little bit and, and refine themselves and get to where they really want to be, I think UTEP could be the better team when it's all said and done. And and uh, it's because of their defense. It's because what they bring on, on the defensive side. It kind of reminds me a little bit about uh, the 2019 matchup, but roles reversed. I thought UTEP was a far more talented team in 2019. 19, but Chris Jan's bunch might, might have been more, uh, you know, the better team overall when you looked at that group uh, 2019 with Rodney Terry and Chris Jan's. That's that's how I'm looking at it, at least right now. A little early, but that's how I'm looking at it. That's interesting that you say that. It really is. Look, I don't think NMSU is that good. I don't think UTEP is that bad. I think that it just it happened last night. UTEP looked horrible. The Aggies looked like the national champions of college basketball, and that's just because uh, they couldn't miss. And the Miners uh, just didn't play well. Simple as that. Yeah, how about uh, Roy, Steve? Where did he come from? It, you know, the first time around in the Battle of I-10, uh, Anthony Roy didn't do anything. And then to, yet last night, 23 points on 7 of eleven, uh, seven yeah, of 10 amazing. shooting. And then he just played in 20 minutes. He fouled out, but he killed it. You're right. You're absolutely right. 100%. So uh, while we were watching the men's game, UTEP Zay was uh, hanging out with the UTEP women. They did beat New Mexico State at the Haskins Center last night, getting a big win for this team that uh, needed it after uh, that last loss out in California last week. Zay, what impressed you the most as you had a chance to watch the women uh, last night? Well, you know, they do the thing. They do the thing where they score in bunches. You know, it's a pretty fun team to watch. You know, if you like high, fast-paced games where, you know, they want to score off turnovers, this is your game, you know. Both teams pressed all game, so it was it – was, it was fun to see the teams, you know, try and feel each other out at first. NMSU jumped out to an 8-0 lead. Then UTEP 14-0 run. 
And uh, just throughout the whole game, it was a dogfight. You know, that's that's the word for it. Well, and it was a big win for the Miners. Um, and, I, and I know most of the fans are probably up in Cruces. Uh, um, but did they have uh, did they have close to a thousand there last night? Yeah, I actually thought it was a pretty decent crowd. You know, you're always going to get a good crowd for for this game. And um, I thought it was a really nice crowd. It got pretty loud at times. So yeah, I think I think there was a little over a thousand. That's awesome. No, I like that a lot. And um, you know, all I can tell you is. Good for Kevin Baker. Good for the UTEP women. Uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing that return matchup when it happens uh, out in Crucis a little bit later on. That's going to be fun. Yeah, just jumping in on this right here, Steve. Uh, I just feel like what the women's basketball team has done to start things off with Kevin Baker and this squad, very impressive. I, yep. I just like the fight that they've shown so far. Uh, they, they remind me a little bit of the men's squad, just how hard they play defensively, but they can score also. And and that's uh, something to you know be, be impressed about early on. Before we end the hour, what about the news that uh, FAU is going to hire Tom Herman as their uh, next head football coach? Man, you know, it's so interesting. Tom Herman did like a color commentating broadcast uh, for UTEP, and I, I was just kind of thinking, you know, not necessarily what if he replaced or anything like that as a head coach, but what if he joined this current coaching staff and helped out a little bit on the offensive side? I thought that could maybe help a little bit, Steve, but no, it's okay. Tom Herman is is a head coach, and he wants to be a head coach, and that's what he's hired to do with Florida Atlantic. Great hire by them. They Listen, Tom Herman is going to do a good job up until Texas. He did a great job everywhere he was, and uh, he'll have the facilities, the resources. They'll be moving leagues. I would expect FAU to become an instant contender in the AAC by uh, by next season. And that just shows you they are committed to winning, and they are not committed to mediocre football. They went True. five and seven back to back seasons, and uh, look, they fired Willie Taggart as a result. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. So keep an eye on that one as we wind up hour number one, big hour number two. By the way, we'll have Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports, and then Diego Luna is going to be with us in our Lubingo Oil Changer Studios. By the way, Diego looks older. I'm not going to lie to you. Maybe it's because when I saw him in our first Zoom conversations, you know, he just arrived. He was young. I, I He looks now like a seasoned vet, and he's still a teenager. How is that possible, Adrian? Yeah. How is Luna, you know, how is he getting, you know, so much, uh, you know, so much older? Yeah, I, I don't know about that, Steve. Maybe it's the tats. I, I like the tattoos. I like the look that he, he has coming into the the Lubigo stu, uh, Studios today. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I, mean, I can't wait for uh, 30 minutes from now. It, it's going to be a great conversation when Diego gives us, catches us up on everything we've missed. By the way, he had the tats when he was here originally. That's true. Maybe he added some new ones. We'll ask him about that. We'll find out what, what ink he's brought, you know, since uh, since we've last talked to him. But no, man, I, I think he's, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. I Maybe now that he's had a chance to spend a couple of years play professional soccer, you know, maybe he's, um, you know, he's maturing a lot. That's that could be the key. Yeah, and and working a lot, wor- yes. you know, the hard work. Maybe that that's a, a little tiring and adds a little age to you. Maybe something like that. I'm also looking forward to talking World Cup with him because I'm sure he's got opinions on that too, especially since he's played on the under twenty team, and uh, I'm sure he's a lot to say about the U.S., Mexico, and everything else going on terms of the uh, World Cup. Germany's out. Second time in a row. They're gone. Can't believe it. A lot of people thought they would win the whole thing. I know it. It's crazy. And they're calling it an absolute catastrophe for Germany. So that's huge news. All right. We'll catch you up. Hour two, right around the corner. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Hour number two here on Sports Talk. Along with Adrian Broadus. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. At this time, I want to welcome back Lee Sterling. ParamountSports.com. He uh, is fresh off of a Thanksgiving feast that apparently featured the greatest pie contest 
uh, ever. I, I, give me a recap of how the Sterling household celebrated and ultimately uh, who ended up winning the pie contest. Okay, so this was the 16th year. Normally, it's my oldest daughter who makes a banana cream pie, and she had won 10 of the previous 15. Wow. Now, my other daughter makes either a blueberry pie or on a couple occasions, she's made a huckleberry pie. Okay. Now, huckleberries, if you're not familiar, are only grown in Northern California, like Washington, Oregon, maybe a little bit of Wyoming. So what happened was it's become, I think it had over 3,000 views. There's a station in Pittsburgh, and they asked me, like, what's going on with, you know, why isn't there a key lime pie? I said, well, I actually don't, we don't bake a key lime pie. We buy it from the supermarket. It's better than even Joe's Stonecrabs. It's that good. Okay. So I said, you know what? I'll include it this year. So I had the banana cream pie. Problem was it tasted great the night before when you had the batter. Yeah. But it was too too soupy. How does Knocked that out. happen? How does uh, how does a, a daughter who basically is the <laughs> Alabama of the Sterling Thanksgiving uh, feast make a soupy banana pie? How does that happen? I, I'm not going to give her any. You know, I, I'm not a baker. Okay, I I, I cook through a microwave. So gotcha. Um, she did something. Either she took it, let it, you know, stay out too long, and I think she freezes it the night mm. before and then unfreezes it. Something happened gotcha. uh, in the process. So that was knocked out early. Right. The blueberry pie, which I – blueberry is not as flavorful a pie to, to me. Can't hold up to the standards if the banana pie is – cream pie is perfect. So I allow my other daughter to – I can eat it with uh, vanilla bean ice cream. Okay. It was good. But the key lime pie from Publix was actually the best. And I was announcing the winner. And then all of a sudden, they hid a huckleberry pie that they had the huckleberries flown in and they baked. They hid it, brought it out. It ended up winning. So if anyone wants to go back, uh, go to ParamountSports.com on Twitter and scroll back to Thursday night. You'll see it's about a minute, hour, uh, minute and 50 second video. Um, we get people from the neighborhood who come around. They they ask what time it's going to start, and they literally watch from the patio. It's That's become crazy. That big I gotta we'll we'll check that out. By the way, uh, okay. the next time I'm in Miami, I got to go to Publix to get a good key lime pie. Right. Right. Crazy. You would think that you know a specialty store would be able to outdo it. I don't know what they do, but yeah. it's it's that good. Fresh and just get it right there at Publix, and you're all set and good to go. Publix, they, their bakery is huge. Okay. Um, you get, I mean, their pies are sensational. Now, like an apple pie or mm-hmm. a cherry pie, you're, it's not going to be as good there as homemade. But um, they key make lime. an incredible key lime pie. Good. I love that. Um, yeah. By the way, uh, congratulations. Another winning week last week. So 13 out of 16 for you. Plus, uh, it's championship week in football. I'm excited yep. about that. And uh, we're also going to get to talk about uh, what you did last week with uh, your blowout special for college football. So, man, you're 5-1 you're and one on those 45-50 unit plays this year. Nicely done. Been a great season. Um, everyone's happy. <laughs> I mean, we've had some good years, and to win 13 out of 16 weeks, people don't realize how hard it is, is insane. 
But when you hit your top plays each week, pretty much week after week, and the only loss we had was by a half point in that Air Force game against Navy. Um, no, it actually was against Army. Uh, then people are going to be really happy. So it's been it's been a year for the ages. It sounds like it. Let's get started with championship week. We'll do uh, two of the college games, and then we'll do three in the pros, all right? So let's get okay. going, and uh, we'll kick it off with uh, TCU and K-State. TCU perfect. Uh, they're in the uh, college football playoff right now. They're two-and-a-half-point favorites against K-State. Again, TCU needs this uh, because, Lee, if they drop this game, uh, they're going to find themselves out of the top four. I couldn't believe where I'm hearing now that even if they lose, they're in. I don't see it that way. I agree with you. I think they're done. This is the toughest game uh, of all of them that I'm giving you to handicap because both teams are really good top 10 in turnover margin. Both quarterbacks. What's crazy is both of these quarterbacks weren't even going to be the starters beginning of the season. And look what kind of years they've had. Uh, Will Howard averaging 9.2 yards per pass attempt, which is insane off the charts. And Max Duggan, 29 touchdowns, throwing five, running the football. Difference here might be if Quentin Johnson can suit up and play for TCU. If he's a go, I think he might be the difference maker. Both running backs are really good. But uh, – I think they kind of discount TCU because they keep winning close games here. So I think the reason that Kansas State maybe jumped out to that big lead in that game is I don't think TCU was ready for them. I don't think they prepared for them. Close game, fun game, TCU moves on 35-30. Takes us to USC-Utah, game number two, the Pac-12 championship. It's tomorrow. Uh, USC, they're also right now in the Final Four. Utah, though, poses a really good threat. They're two-and-a-half-point underdogs. Trojans by two-and-a-half, Lee. Yeah. Did you watch the first game between you, USC and Utah? I did. Played? Yes. Okay. What were some of the things that, after the game, were your observations or thoughts that could have changed the game? Well, first off, I kept, um, I, you know, for me, when it comes to Utah, I'm always looking at their defense. That's the biggest thing for me with the Utes. I always, I like that defense. And, you know, the one thing I just thought about was, again, when that defense is clicking, how difficult it is for any offense to try and produce, uh, including a, a school like USC, who's been so automatic for much of this year. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, that was kind of the, the one part of the matchup that always seems to draw my attention is, uh, you know, how that Utah um, uh, defense goes. Now, Utah ended up scoring 43 points in that game, but they gave up 42. I didn't expect Utah to be in a 43-42 shootout. That's so unlike them, Lee. That was one of my observations. One of the others, and the thing that I underlined like three times, there was two late hit calls on the defensive lineman for USC. Late in the first half, you can go back to YouTube and look at it. It was not a late hit. The Pac-12 officiating is atrocious. It's a joke. And then also on the last drive, both of those calls, if they don't call them, USC wins the game by 10 to 14 points. Now, Cam Rising had a great game. So did their tight end, Kincaid, Valet, the receiver, were amazing. But I just thought the USC skill players were a step or two faster than the Utah defense here. And I, I think it helps that the game will not be played in Salt Lake City at altitude this time. 
I think USC right now is a much better team than they were at that point in the season. And um, just think that Utah, the comeback was spurred on from playing at home. Uh, Cam Rising's really good. I just don't think he is 100% right now. And I think Caleb Williams is just much better. I'm going to take USC in the rematch, 38-31. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, as we continue here on the show. NFL now, KC, Cincinnati, our first of three games. Kansas City, uh, 9-2. and two. Cincinnati, 7-4. and four. Bengals are home. They're coming off that big win over Tennessee, but they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs to what has been another terrific year for Chiefs football. So I think this is the circle game here for the Chiefs. You know, kids don't really talk about it that much. They'll tell you, oh, it's a schedule. We take them one at a time. If you watched the Chiefs last week, they were just going through the motions in that game against the Rams. I mean, they were one for six in red zone opportunities. So they kind of sleepwalked through the game, had 350 yards. I think they're going to be ready for this game. I think they were holding back on some stuff think that Andy Reid's one of the supreme play callers. The line started off at three, which is crazy. And now it's down to one, one and a half, because it looks like Jamar Chase and also Joe Mixon will play in this game. So uh, people talk about these defenses being pretty even. I don't think so. Cincinnati has 17 sacks on the season. The Chiefs, 35 sacks. They have totally turned over this defense. In fact, there's only four players on the Chiefs roster that were there before Patrick Mahomes. I think Kansas City gets it done on the road, 35-25. Wow. All right, that takes yep. us to our game uh, number four, Chiefs and Bang- – I'm sorry, uh, Dolphins and 49ers. Dolphins are 8-3. and three. 49ers are 7-4. and four. They've been terrific at home. That's why they're four-point favorites uh, at Levi Stadium. Not to mention, as good as these two teams have been playing, it seems like the 49ers are starting to really hit their stride right now, Lee. Here's a problem for the Dolphins in this game. And everyone's talking about how is San Francisco going to guard, uh, you know, Waddle and Hill. Well, how is Miami going to be able to defend Debo Samuel? They have not faced a wide receiver that lines up in the slot, also lines up at running back. So these kind of problems, I don't think enough people are hitting on. Also, Miami hasn't faced a tight end with the skill set of Kittle. So I think it's going to be a tough matchup for Miami. And then maybe the biggest problem, Armstead, starting left tackle, who they got from New Orleans, who's been fabulous. It looks like he will not be able to go. When he went out of the game, when they were up 23-0, they gave up four sacks in the last two drives. They gave up two more in the second half when they were pretty much running the ball. They took out two at the end of the third quarter. That's six sacks. I think they got a problem here. I don't know how they're going to guard and be able to uh, block Nick Bosa here. I think San Francisco is just too strong on the offensive and the defensive lines here. I like San Francisco. Hate to say it, I'm a Dolphins fan. I think they're the right side, 31-24. Final game, Dallas and Indy. I was hoping this game would be flexed out of the Sunday night game, but it's not. Uh, Dallas has been terrific uh, after really struggling a couple of weeks when Dak came back, and they're uh, hosting Indianapolis, a team that's just 4-7 and seven on the season. The Cowboys are 8-3. and three. I've seen this anywhere from 10.5 to 11, Lee, as far as the Cowboys being favored. Yeah, and um, Indianapolis has some talent, uh, Problem here is Matt Ryan is just, he's washed. He's done. 
his re reactions in the pocket are just a step slow. Doesn't see the blind side rushers much anymore. And, you know, just th these, these players, they look the same in the uniform, but they get to this point in their career, and he just has problems delivering the ball on time. So he's a split second slow uh, delivering the football. And he saw last week another interception, doesn't see the coverage like he used to. Uh, is he a better option than Erlinger? Yeah, but um, they just don't have receivers uh, that are game breakers here. I think Dallas running game with, with Ezekiel Elliott, with Pollard, they are scary good right now. And that pass rush, Matt Ryan, it is going to be a long afternoon here. Sometimes you got to lay it if you want to play it. Dallas big here, 34-10. You got a free game in about an hour to take advantage of. Let's talk about that, plus uh, everything you've been doing on those 45-unit college football specials and how great you've been all year, what uh, you have for everybody throughout the month of December now uh, on uh, ParamountSports.com. Well, if they want to get uh, the game tonight, start your weekend off on hopefully a right foot. Uh, you want to get Buffalo New England. should be a great game. AFC East is, I mean, really good with the Jets and Dolphins. Also, you want to get it for free? Call 800-400-9741. We'll give you that game for free. 800-400-9741. 13 out of 16 documented winning weeks, and we keep knocking down the big play each weekend. Um, you want to hop on board? We call it Double Down December. You can get the entire month, championship weekend this weekend, 27 bowl games, throughout December, in four weeks of the NFL, just $297 one way, ParamountSports.com. And while you're at it, go to Twitter and follow Paramount Sports. You can watch that uh, hilarious video of the pie-eating contest. I've been, I've been, I can't take my eye off of it. Number one, you're wearing a loose-fitting sh uh, button-down shirt. Smart move there. You know, you yeah. you, you look like um, that, uh, what's his name, the uh, Hell's Kitchen chef. You just sit there with a fork, you're tasting everybody's pies, and then you're giving, uh, you're giving your result. You're like, um, who right. am I thinking of, uh, Adrian? Who's the one I'm thinking yeah, of Gordon Ramsay? Yeah, you're Gordon Ramsay doing that. That's oh, good. Okay. I like okay. that. Okay. That's All right. That's that's. That's it. We're in good company then, you right? Are. So you are. So yeah, put on a little weight, but uh, it was it was worth it. Hope you and 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 uh, Adrian had a great uh, Thanksgiving. Now we gotta you know get in shape and uh, get ready for the holiday season. Need some more. We'll do it before the big bowl spectacular. Good stuff, Lee. Talk to you then. Yeah. We'll talk in two weeks. All See right. you. See you got it. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Diego Luna's next. We're going to catch up on the former locomotive star and find out what he's been up to in um, um, Salt Lake. That's right, Salt Lake with Diego Luna. Stay with us. All that coming up as Sports Talk continues. Luna with us inside our Lubingo Oil Changer Studios. Uh, one of the, um, I'll just say this, most electrifying young players we've ever seen in El Paso. Came in like a whirlwind, took the city by storm. Parlayed that to uh, his MLS debut uh, with Salt Lake this season, and he's in El Paso, and we were kind enough to have him join us and, and spend a few minutes with us. First off, great to see you, and uh, uh, get a little close to that microphone, Diego. It's not going to bite you. Good. Uh, what's, what's been going on, man? How are you holding up? I'm doing real well, and uh, uh, thank you for having me. It's been good, and a lot of uh, travel, a lot of things happening, but everything's been really good. I'm telling you, you look older than I saw you last. Is it the facial hair? Or the uh, you got the you got the goatee? Go, you tell me what what what's the biggest difference? Yeah, I think it might be you know maturing, and, and there you go. It's been two years. I think there's been a lot of maturing there, um, physically, and then also just I feel like 
talking and just my personality. I think I've grown a lot, so it could be that as well. I don't know. On Zoom, you you came on the on the show with us and you talked about how you're going to just get the ball and score. And I'm like, man, that is that is confidence for a 17 year old. And that's exactly what you did when you got here. You got the ball and big things happened. And that's one of the reasons why it parlayed you into uh, such a uh, crazy last 24 months of uh, of soccer, right? Exactly. You know, I think I came into El Paso and I exactly how you said I shocked people and I, I did what what I came here to do and, and things have only been getting getting better. You didn't surprise yourself, though, did you? It seems like you're not uh, somebody that's hurting from confidence. You pretty much know exactly what uh, you're capable of uh, when you're out there on the pitch. A hundred percent. I think I'm, I'm confident, very confident when I'm on the ball. And I think I think uh, what I said was exactly what, what happened, right? I, I Give me the ball and I can make things happen, whether that's creating chances for my team or, or me scoring goals. And I think that's that's what I came here to do. So tell me what it's been like for you since you left El Paso and you've been out there in Salt Lake, what that experience has, has been for you so far. Yeah, it was it was a crazy, you know, weekend when when all that happened. I uh, was ready to play uh, Las Vegas uh, lights in Vegas, and it was just a, a sudden change where I wasn't able to go anymore because I was I was signing with Real Salt Lake, and they didn't want me to play in that game. So it was a quick weekend where Friday I was told, and Monday I was over there in Utah already getting uh, ready and moved in and and started training for that for the game that coming Saturday with with uh, Real Salt Lake versus Vancouver, where I made my professional debut. It was a crazy uh, week and a crazy month coming up to then leading to the Honduras CONCACAF. So so now you don't seem like somebody that ever has butterflies or suffers from that, but were you a little nervous going out there and making that MLS debut just given the circumstances of who it was? 100%. I think I was more nervous about moving and finding my, my living situation and everything like that besides the, than the soccer aspect, but everything else was, was really good. Diego, how do you compare that first move when you went out there to Salt Lake to now, uh, you know, when you were here, uh, when you came here to El Paso for the first time as a teenager? I'm sure that was also a big adjustment for you. How would you compare the two? 100%, right? You know, I, I moved away when I was 15 to that Barca Academy in Arizona. So it was already a big thing of living uh, on my own and living away from my parents and family and, and hometown, right? So I think it, I got used to it as an early age and I was lucky you know, to, to make that, that jump as an early age. And I think it, it only has gotten easier. But, uh, of course, there's always that feeling of missing home and wanting to be back with, with the family in that area. But each each uh, time I, I move, it's a, it's a big step, but I think it's something that I'm getting used to. So as far as the Salt Lake goes, what's that adjustment been like, just living in that city and being around those fans and the community? Yeah, it's been really good. They've taken me in just like El Paso, you know, very kindly with open arms and everybody there in the staff, the fans, everybody has been very nice and, and made me feel very comfortable there. So it's been very good to, to adjust there and having that, you know, respect and that support there has, has made everything way much more easier. Now, you've played a total of 13 matches in an MLS uh, with Salt Lake. As far as the biggest adjustment, you would say, from USL competition, is it just that players are bigger, stronger, and faster? Is that is that the biggest thing you've noticed? I think there's there's a couple aspects of things that are different, but I'd say in MLS, because in USL, there's a lot of, of physical, uh, you know, I think I think it is a very physical league in, in USL, and people underestimate that. But I think in, in MLS, and for me, as my jump towards to Real Salt Lake, I think it was a change of formation, a change of, you know, players I'm playing with, and just kind of 
the coaching staff and everything different was the biggest change for me. And it's just something that takes time to adjust to and stuff like that. But soccer is soccer, and at the end of the day, I'll, I'll get the hang of it. Well, the interesting thing is this. When you came to El Paso and you joined Mark and Locomotive FC, I felt like you almost blended instantly into the system and the style. Is it because you were playing that at Barca and it really wasn't that big of an adjustment at the time? Yeah, I think I, I, with Mark coming into the to the locomotives, I was kind of playing in my, my preferred role. And I, it was kind of exactly what you said. I kind of just took what I was doing at Barca and brought it into to El Paso Locomotive as well as I changed from El Paso to Real Salt Lake there was a different formation different style of play and I think it's it is a big change going back and forth and trying to switch in that that thing in your head but yeah uh, Diego sticking with the Barcelona Academy who are some of the players you played can you tell us a little bit about the competition uh, that you faced over there yeah, the Barca Academy. Let me tell you about it. It's it's an amazing place if you want to, you know, go far in your career and and go to college, go to professional level, whatever that that route is for you. But I played with guys like Matthew Hoppy, who's who's played with the U.S. Men's National Team. Played with guys like Bryce Duke, who plays for Inter Miami. Caden Clark, New York Red Bulls, uh, Red Bulls Leipzig. I've played with guys like uh, Julian Gaines, LAFC. All these guys were were in my two years at Barca, and I think if that doesn't tell you enough, there's been six, seven guys in two years out of that academy that have made it to the top you know division in the US and I think that's that's something super you know special about that place. Diego Luna with us uh, here on Sports Talk. If uh, you would like to chime in on the show, you can do so right now, 505-6009. If you've got a question for uh, Diego, that's 505-6009. Now, you mentioned something really interesting, learning new formations, playing with new teammates, and, and all that. Are you having now to adjust your style to this system? And in that regard, do you um, almost have to take your skill set and, and almost like to learn a new type of position? as you're adjusting to what they're asking you for at Real Salt Lake? Uh, you can put it in that way, but also you can also say that I can add on to what I have, mm-hmm. my creativity and my style of play. I can also just add on that new aspect of what Real Salt Lake is is uh, wanting from me, and I think that's the way I want to look at it. I don't want them. I don't want it to seem like they're going to take away something from me because they brought me there to do one thing. They saw the potential that I have and and why they brought me there. So I think it's just going to be adding some little things to to what they want from me, whether that be on the defensive side or or on the attacking side, positioning stuff like that. But I'm always going to have my you know creativity and and goal scoring aspect. So. Man, I love that about you. You are not you are not lacking in confidence. That is the best. And you have to, don't you? Because part of this sport is you have to be confident in your abilities because if you ever start to doubt yourself, that's when things can go wrong. So you got to stay as upbeat as possible no matter what. 100% agree. And I think I've had a, a little bit of that when I moved to Salt Lake. I had a little bit of doubting myself. And I think I realized that it, it you need to just have that confidence and know, you know you're there for a reason and, and you're capable of things that your mind might trick you sometimes in saying you're not, but you really are. So I think that's, that's something I, I've matured about and, and grown up with. Before uh, the move to Salt Lake, was there ever any thought about you going to Europe and playing there or was MLS always kind of the, the league you wanted to take the next jump to? No, yeah, there was definitely thought. Uh, I spent that off season with between uh, the two El Paso locomotive seasons I played with. I spent uh, all of December in Europe with uh, clubs like Anderlecht in Belgium, uh, uh, Victoria Guimarães in Portugal, and just training stints and just checking it out and seeing if I liked it or you know things that I didn't like, things that I that I do like. And it was a big thing. And there have been multiple clubs around around the world and in the in the MLS that have reached out, that have talked to us, and I think. It was just more of finding the right path for me and the right situation, right team. And I think that's all, you know, looking forward to the future. 
More with Diego as we hit the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Adrian, get ourselves a quick Sports Center update, and then we'll continue this conversation right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Adrian, thank you very much. Uh, in between everything you were doing this past season, Diego, you were up there uh, and uh, you went to Honduras uh, to join your U.S. Youth National Team uh, for the Under-20 CONCACAF Championships. What was that like for you? Yeah, it was a, it was a big uh, month and a half. Like I said, I, I signed with RSL and, and was there, made my debut that Saturday. And that Monday, I flew out to, to Honduras. And uh, yeah, we played in that CONCACAF uh, Championship and we won it and it was a great experience a month with with the guys learning about everybody on and off the field and i think it was a great experience and taking that to qualify you know for the olympics and for the u20 world cup it was a big thing and that's something that I'll, I'll always hold for me, hold with me. Uh, Diego, who are some of the guys, uh, this coming in from Lou, he just texted into the show, uh, who are some of the guys that you actually grew close to as part of that CONCACAF U20 team? Yeah, so uh, of course we have roommates there, right? And uh, my roommate was Daniel Edelman, who plays for the New York Red Bulls, uh, a captain, one of the captains with the U20s. And he's, uh, let me tell you, he's an unbelievable guy, you know, the most humble, uh, respectful guy you, you, I think you can meet. So he's somebody that I grew close to, uh, have a good friendship with him and other guys. I think everybody, you know, we've collected together as a, as a group. And I think getting close to each other, you know, off the field was a big part of why we had such a successful tournament. And I think that's something that, yeah. I think for one of your goals, too, uh, four years from now, the next time we have a World Cup, uh, you want to be playing for that uh, Team USA, don't you? 100%. That's, that's, where, that's the goal, right? To Four years from now to make that, that leap to the, to the senior team and, and represent our, you know, our country in the World Cup. What are your thoughts on what you've watched so far from Team USA uh, in in the World Cup through their first three matches? Yeah, I'm very proud of the, of the team. I know some of those guys. I've had a training camps with some of those guys, and it's been unbelievable to see these guys perform like that. You know, all three games and and to qualify for the round of 16, it's unbelievable, and I'm I'm super excited for the guys. How much do you watch? Do you watch pretty as much World Cup as you can get your as, as you can handle right now? What's that been like? Yeah, I've watched definitely all the games of uh, USA and all the Mexican games, and then I've watched you know their their uh, some of you know other games that have been going on, but uh, yeah, definitely all the U.S. and Mexico games. How much did Mexico shock you in terms of how things ended up for them? Yeah, yeah. I want to talk bad on them, but uh, it wasn't their best performances, and I think that they need to reevaluate what 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 did wrong and what's something that they need to focus on for the next uh, chance they get. But I think it's a waking point for them to see uh, you know things have changed, and I think they need to wake up. I think. As a kid growing up, who'd you root for when the U.S. played Mexico? USA. So you've always been USA? Always been USA. That's good. Yeah. You know, we, we get we got a lot of calls from people that live in El Paso that say that they root for Mexico when they play the U.S. Yeah. So that's a pretty popular thing. And yeah. you can, and, and what's even more amazing is just, you know, people don't realize how good Mexico has been getting into the knockout stage for all these World Cups. Not making it to the knockout round is a big deal in Mexico. Exactly. 100%. It's something that Mexico's known for, right? To, to that's make right. To to the round of 16, make it past that group and to see that and, and to see that you know and speaking on their u20s the u20s in the CONCACAF didn't also qualify for the u20 world cup or the olympics so i think it's a, like i said it's a waking point for mexico and the, and the federation to see you know what's going on and, and maybe switch some things around now you're 19 does that mean you're still eligible for the next year to play under the uh, u20s or just uh, this year how does it work yeah so we have the u20 world cup coming up in may i believe in indonesia so i think uh it'll be eligible for this the rest of that season and then we'll see after that i'm not quite sure all right you're looking forward to that world cup aren't you 100%. that's so excited that's something that's that's getting me ready i think this preseason with real salt lake is a big thing you know leading for also to play my my second season in mls but also yep. for that u20 world cup it's going to be a big preseason
Uh, what number do you wear for the U20s? For the U20s, I wear number 15. You're number 15. Yeah. Right. Can, we, can, can fans find that jersey? Can they actually order the Luna 15s and, and, and buy those? I do not know if they have the USA one, but I think you can always get it customized somewhere. That's probably the way to go, yeah, right? Yeah, that's the way All to right. go. Is it, by the way, as great as it is playing MLS, is there anything better than having the U.S. Uh, wearing the U.S. kit and knowing you're representing your country? I don't think so. I think when you put that, that uniform on and you're wearing that crest, it's something special. And I think you're, you're playing against other countries. You're, play, you're representing not only you know, yourself or your team. You're representing everybody living in the U.S. Somebody, you know, so, maybe somebody's grandpa who doesn't even know what soccer is and right. some little kids playing on, on any little field. You're representing them. And I think that's something that everybody that puts on the crest has to realize. Aside from just trying to make the U.S. national team when it's all said and done, who are some other clubs that you'd like to join uh, or, or like maybe some dream clubs that you'd want to be? a part of yeah uh i have some dream clubs i like to play for liverpool uh barusa Dortmund, and uh real madrid is a big one real madrid is a you know something that when i grew up was always a team i was watching ronaldo and my, my brother was a big fan of them and it was something that yeah it's always been a dream how about uh the rumors that uh, messi could be heading over to miami and possibly be in mls what would you what would it be like for you if you know you're going up against messi in a match <laughs> That'd be insane, right? You know, it's just squaring up with Messi in, a, in an MLS game would be would be super cool. And I think that's something, hopefully, that happens, whether yeah. maybe not next year or the year after that, but that'd be pretty cool. You mentioned, uh, you know, being a part of uh, RSL and what that's been like. Um, you started against Austin September the 15th. You were named man of the match uh, in that match. Tell me a little bit about that because that was probably your one of your best performance of the season. Yeah, it was an exciting game, you know, going to Austin FC, who, who did very well in the, in the playoffs and is a very – was known as a very well team and I think getting my my second start against them was a was a big thing and performing how I did I was super excited and and I think it felt really good and just to show everybody that you know I'm the real deal and that I do have you know what it takes to be there I think it, it was a it was a good day for me and I'm glad and able to keep that going what's more fun for you setting up players for goals or knocking it in yourself well, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I gotta say, scoring scoring goals is is more exciting and better. But assisting is is right right there. Have you already envisioned what the celebration is going to be like when you get your first career MLS goal? <laughs> it's going to be crazy. I know that for sure for a fact. Whether that's away or home, it's going to be it's going to be intense. Will the shirt come off, or will you keep that on during the uh, celebration? Depends. On, depends what the score is. You know, you got to see what the score is and who Fair we're enough. playing. Right? It's, it makes enough. sense. By the way, uh, I know uh, Real Salt Lake has great fans. How about the El Paso fans? What they were like for you? While oh you were man, here? I love I love El Paso. I love the city. I love the community. Everybody here. I love it. And it, I think it's a big reason of why I am where I am today is because of El Paso, whether that be the community, whether that be the little kids that I've that I've coached here, whether that be just people I've played against, teammates that I've played with, coaching staff, everybody. Everybody has just showed so much, you know, respect and so much support to me that I think without them, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am today. When you come into town, what's your go to first restaurant you have to have when you're back in El Paso? What is the what is the what is the must for you? Let's see. I'm more of a basic guy. I kind of hit like Chipotle and stuff like that. But I think some place that I tried recently. Oh, I like Sunny Sushi. Oh, there you go. Sunny Sushi is a, is a place I really enjoy. Yeah. Good. So you eat sushi. Edible. Yeah, sushi. Good for you. Nice. Yeah. Now, before I brought you on, I asked about the tattoos. Yeah. Uh, how many new tattoos since you left El Paso <laughs> before you came in today? How many are we talking about right now? It's not as many as everybody thought. I think El Paso was my was my tattoo uh 
how do you say my tattoo era i think i've got in two maybe since i've been since i've been away so when you first arrived you had a few yeah but not many and then all of a sudden you discovered the tattoo shops in el paso <laughs> and the next thing you know you couldn't help yourself exactly 100 percent. i had some friends and made friends in the tattoo you know shops and yeah. it just started going and going and going what's your favorite tattoo I got to say my mom's name or my goddaughter's birthday, um, but I also got this one on my arm that just represents a whole bunch of stuff and about soccer and, and wings and a whole bunch of meanings on it. I like it. What about the spider you have on your neck? Yeah. Tell me about that one. That one is new. That's one of the new ones, and that's just a thing of kind of facing your fears. I'm super scared of spiders. So you put that on your body just put, because you wanted to face that. Exactly. Nice. By yeah. the way, um, and, and, and I, I don't have any, so I couldn't answer this question. Yeah. How painful is it getting a neck tattoo? pretty painful but i think uh my uh mindset going into tattoos is saying this is going to be the worst pain of your life prepared to to die and i think once your brain goes to that that thing you go there and you're like oh it's not too bad so, i like that yeah so it's got to you prepare for the worst and realize that it's not that bad so that's the advice you give anybody to getting a tattoo <laughs> just think you're going to die yeah. and when you realize you're not dead you're going to be okay and then you can uh, enjoy it afterwards exactly yeah all right, I love that. Uh, by the way, before I wrap things up, give me your prediction on twenty twenty three and what that's what what twenty twenty three is going to be like for you, and uh, and and for just you know what what kind of season you're going to have both Real Salt Lake and also for the U.S. I'm being completely honest. I think twenty twenty three is going to be a very good season for me with with club and for country. I think I'm going to perform really well in the MLS level, and I think I'm going to have a, a breakout season. And I think uh, with the with the U twenties, that World Cup is going to be huge, and I think uh, we're going to do very well in that in that in that tournament. And I think a lot of doors are going to open up after that. But first of all, I'm just focused on on Real, and then when I head up to the U twenties, that's what I'm focused on. Will you be back in El Paso? Hundred percent. All right. Promise me the next time you come back, you come back and say hello to us, and we'll we'll spend some more time talking to you. Sounds okay? good. Perfect. Beautiful. Great to see you again. Awesome. Likewise. Diego Luna, folks. Forty-one past. The sports talk continues. We'll come back. Wrap up hour number two here on six hundred ESPN El Paso. All right. Welcome back. Third hour. This is going to be fun. Looking forward to it. Rachel Phillips is going to join us here in a little bit. She uh, does sports for KVIA, our news partners. Adrian, this is like the greatest segment in the life of Lane Frank because he can finally celebrate a Michigan win over Ohio State where everything was on the line. Congrats, Lane. A huge win over this past weekend. Michigan came out. It was tight at the beginning. Went kind of back and forth, wire to wire, and then Michigan just blew him out in the end. I mean, what, what else can you say? Go blue. That's all I can say. Well, they went. You said go blue. They they, they got oh, it yeah. done. Oh, yeah. And what, Listen, in your wildest imagination, right, you were just wanting a win. Did you ever think that they could do what they did to Ohio State on the road like what happened? I did. I thought Marvin Harrison Jr. was going to tear up the secondary, which he pretty much did. Massive touchdown, massive plays. But the offensive line for Michigan steps up. 78-yard touchdown by Donovan Edwards, another one next drive. It was just amazing. Offensive line opens up. In my wildest dream, I don't think J.J. would have played that well, but J.J. played great. It was the greatest like Saturday celebration for you. Like, like, what did you do? Like, I mean, when the game ended, were you? Did you go out for like a steak dinner? What did you do to treat yourself after the win? And I was pretty tired after the game, but uh, yeah, went out for dinner. It was great. Michigan won. Okay, so as, as long as yeah, that was right. And by the way, um, where were you? And you were in uh, Long Island last week, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the uh, What's your favorite uh, spot to go celebrate after a big Michigan win in Long Island? Where do you go? The Palm, great restaurant. The Palm. What does it have? Uh, steak, anything. It's a steakhouse. Oh, it's a steakhouse. Traditional. Okay, very nice. Good for you. Then you come back to El Paso, back to real life. 
and you realize, oh, wait a minute, I still got to go back to school and uh, finish uh, finish things up for the uh, for the for the semester. So it's not over just yet, is nah, it? Not over yet. Michigan's still going to win the national championship. You're convinced this is the year of the Wolverines. Uh, year of the Wolverines. Yep. Okay. Will the Big Ten championship be any hurdle whatsoever for Michigan? You know, maybe in O'Connell, good quarterback. Outside of Ian O'Connell and Charlie Jones, I really don't know much about this Purdue football team. They have a few losses on the year. Close game against Florida Atlantic, which obviously was a terrible team this year. So, Purdue, we'll see how they play, but I think Michigan should dominate in this one. Hey, Florida Atlantic just hired Tom Herman today. Yeah. Wow. That's a good hire. They're going from, from Mich- I mean, they get good coaches. Lane Kiffin, they Willie Tiger. They do. They do Tom get good Herman. coach. That's right. I'm with you on yeah. that one. They, they spend the money is what they do. Good location. Absolutely. And you're right. Um, you know, it's funny because I was wondering if they were going to make a run after uh, make a run at Deion Sanders. Oh, yeah. But USF, Deion Sanders, Colorado, Cincinnati, we're just going to have to see with them. I agree with you. All right. Um, so now we have the uh, final four, right? And I haven't had a chance to watch a Schoolyard Sports episode 102, which dropped officially today. Yep. The podcast does. Um, by the way, I enjoyed being on number 101. Thank you for having me as a guest. That was fun. I yeah, enjoyed that. Awesome. that. Of um, as far as you know, this week's edition, give me where you stand on the fact that we have two of the four teams um, really could be risking dropping out of the four if they lose uh, this weekend for championship Saturday. I'm talking about TCU and USC. Michigan's not going anywhere. Neither is Georgia. No matter what happens, they're staying in the top four. You can't say the same for TCU. You can't say the same for USC. If either of them lose to either Utah or K-State, in your opinion, does Ohio State and or Alabama deserve to get into those four spots since they're not playing that extra game this week like those other two are? No, I think Alabama's done for, but for Ohio State, I think it was a little bit of recency bias than not being over for USC. I think a lot of people, you say, who do you take in the game, Ohio State or USC? A lot of people would take Ohio State, so that's a little bit of recency bias right there. But I think USC should cruise over Utah. That's avenging your one loss. You're in. For TCU, I think you lose to Kansas State. You're down 28-10 to 10 at home against Kansas State this year. And then Kansas State's not their third-string quarterback. That's why they lost that one. Kansas State gets redemption in AT&T Stadium this week. And then it, sets up a dilemma. Ohio State, USC, TCU. What do you do? I mean, because here's my thoughts, okay? You just play 12 games. Everybody's on an even footing right now, right? To me, these and I and I agree with Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports. He said that these these championship games should only be about seeding purposes. That's it. Use them for seeding. That you should not play a thirteenth game, and if you lose, you're out of the top four, being replaced by a team that's sitting home watching championship week. Why should you take a team that's not putting anything on the line this week and reward them with a top four spot? If, uh, if one of these other teams loses. Because Ohio State plays in the toughest division in football, and Ohio State and Michigan should be the Big Ten championship game, but it's Michigan versus Purdue instead. Not, not, I mean, Purdue, fourth-best Big Ten team behind Penn State, a few other teams. It's just interesting how the Big Ten works things through, but I think if you have that dilemma, I think TCU would be left out. But it's not right. It is not right, but TCU, undefeated season, ranked wins. It's going to be a dilemma, but recency bias, I think. That's just a problem with the CFP committee right now. Adrian, I, again, I have a problem with this. I know we're going to expand the playoffs soon, but I still believe that these four should be locked in no matter what happens. Yeah, I feel like next year we're not having this conversation. This year, I, I agree. It's based off uh, with what uh, Lane said. Uh, it's based off where the divisions rank, uh, like w- with the Big 12, uh, also with the Big 10. And look at even you know USC and the Pac-12. I mean, the SEC, we could have seen uh, Georgia, Alabama, the two best teams maybe in the SEC play each other in 
in the championship game. Instead, we see Georgia take on LSU, and we're not sure what kind of health Jaden Daniels really has. So I, I don't know who gets in if, if one of those teams loses out of the three or four spot. Yeah. I honestly think Tennessee deserves to be over Alabama. Recency bias. Alabama, they lost to Tennessee, but they're ranked over Tennessee because Tennessee is the more recent loss. Another example of recency bias. Yeah, but I'll tell you right now, with Hooker out for the rest of the season, okay. I don't want. I don't want to Joe Milton. Joe Milton still gives me Michigan nightmares. Uh, yeah, I understand that, but I mean, as far as Alabama goes, I mean, they're the healthier of the of the two teams because Hooker was so good this year for Tennessee. It's tough without them. It's Alabama really has their main receiver in the portal right now, Treshawn Holden. That's true too. All right. By the way, what are your thoughts on the portal? Since we just you just told us uh, as we we're ending last hour that Cade McNamara, the former Michigan quarterback, the older brother of UTEP's Jake and Kyle McNamara now going to Iowa. First things first, it's a bad move by Cade. Why are you transferring in conference? You're not going to play Michigan, but Cade kind of gave up on this Michigan team. I think he gave up after that first week of the season. Even though he stole the job, gets injured, probably could have uh, came back. He had an injury lingering from last season. Never know with Cade McNamara. He could have maybe not had the surgery. Came back to Michigan, been the backup. Didn't want to do that. Didn't even post anything to Michigan's win over Ohio State. Seems like this has just been a move for a while and wants to make the move after the Ohio State game. But, yep, Caden the portal. NIL destroys the portal in my eyes. Hey, Lane, do you like when players enter the portal before the season's even over or before bowl games even happen? Do you think what, – what, what's your thought on that? I think after bowl season, I think the day after the national championship is when the portal should be opened up. I think that's when the NFL coaching pool should be opened, the day after the Super Bowl, because, I mean, that's just how it should be. Day after the Super Bowl, day after the national championship, that's how it should be with this. I mean, you see Alabama still a team fighting for a playoff spot, and they've got their top receiver in the portal. That's true. They do. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I like the idea of after the season's over, going into the portal, but it doesn't work like that. They, players can go whenever they want, which is why I'm interested to see, as far as UTEP goes, how the portal's going to be the next few weeks since the season's now over for them, and we'll have to wait and see uh, who, if anybody, decides to jump into the portal right now. Yeah, I mean, Jacob Cowling last year for UTEP, he was their top player. Now he's at right. Arizona, tear things up. He was. He had a great season at Arizona. You're 100% right. After the Michigan game ended, you had a chance to turn on ESPN Plus and watch probably one of the top tougher losses of uh, UTEP uh, football in the recent memory, a 28 nothing lead that turned into a 34-31 UTSA win. Wow, that's all I have to say. Biggest choke UTEP history. That's what you told me right there. I didn't say biggest choke said, in UTEP you history. You said most annoying. I said annoying. I didn't say choke. There's a difference between okay, it. I was okay. I was annoyed at the at the uh, at the game. Not I'd say biggest but choke taking, job. They're taking some 5 and 7 bowl teams. Can UTEP be one of those? No. Their APR, their APR is not high oh, enough. Yeah, yeah. Now, Rice is going to get in because they're all brilliant at Rice. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a brilliant school. That's that's they, do. they go in for their brains. They don't go in for their football talent. Um, by the way, I owe you an apology. I picked Ohio State against Michigan last week. Well, first off, when you asked me who I thought was going to win, I said Michigan. You said why. And I said, because I want you to be happy this week. And I know that this segment is so much better when you're not grumpy in a bad mood making faces at me. So if Michigan won, you'd be much happier. And then you said, well, what does your brain tell you? And I said, Ohio State, because they're home. And they've owned him at home over the years. But I was wrong. So you know what? Um, I'm happy to admit I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong more often. I hope I'm as wrong as you are with your NFL picks every week, right. Lane, because Adrian just beat you last week. How did this happen? I'm on a cold streak right now. You know, I lost to Chad. I lost to Adrian, but we'll get back. You did. You, and now you might lose to Rachel, which is, uh, I, I. you know what? I don't think you might. You are probably going to lose to Rachel. She's done her homework. She studied. Look at some of these picks of yours. You picked the Colts at home over the Steelers. That was a disaster. You also went ahead and you took the Broncos over the Panthers. 
just a bad football okay, game in Russell general. Russell Wilson, what do you want me to say? No more picks for uh, for the Broncos, okay? Mm, please stay away from them. They're playing the Ravens this week. No way. You took the Falcons over the Commanders. All right. That was a close game down the end. Um, you did have the Bengals over the Titans. You took the Browns over the Bucks. That was good. You took the Vikings over the Patriots. That was good. But you see, here's where you went wrong again. You were nice. blinded by the Giants. Again, you're a fan. You, you pick with your, you know, you pick with your heart, not your head. And they were just uh, beaten up by the by the Cowboys. You know, Do you think are the Cowboys right now, in your opinion, a Super Bowl caliber team? No, because Dak Prescott can make that big mistake two picks in the first half. If they came back from it, they rebounded from it. They that. did come back from it, but that's against the Giants. The Giants, in my opinion, even as a fan, aren't a top team in the NFL. Then why'd you pick them against the Cowboys on the road? Because I'm a Giants fan, and we only had three losses at the time. You gotta stop with that stuff. Stop with the with the with with you know picking for your for your team. You gotta yeah. be smart about that. They play the Commanders this week. That's an easy win. Yeah, we'll see about that. Don't tell that to the Commanders. All right, they've been good. By the way, is um, another question for you. All right, Cowboys have one of the best defensive players in football right now. Is Micah Parsons the second coming of Lawrence Taylor? Okay, second coming of Lawrence Taylor? I don't think that's ever going to happen for somebody unless you're superhuman. Micah Parsons is a great player, but not the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. Best linebacker in the NFL, that's a debate. I watch the moves when he gets to the quarterback. They remind me of LT. Now, LT did it forever. LT is the greatest defensive player ever to play the game. But when Parsons gets after them and you watch him, He's got that athleticism. He knows how to hunt the quarterback down. It's like I'm watching. Uh, it's like I'm watching a young LT. You know you should uh, uh, ask about this. You should ask Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick says Lawrence Taylor, greatest player of all time. Let's see if she thinks Micah Parsons is going to be the greatest player of all time. Well, maybe you know what? Maybe he'll say that he's pretty tough. He's not. Micah right. Parsons won't. He's only played two years. Let's give him time. I'm just telling you, he reminds I think he's me all of pro. Lawrence I just Taylor. Don't think he's I'm not Lawrence telling Taylor. you he's Lawrence Taylor. I'm saying he reminds me of Lawrence Taylor. He doesn't uh, remind you of Lawrence Taylor. I guess Lawrence Taylor's way before my time. Have you watched YouTube videos of him? I mean, sure, but that's different. Well, you've, but you've seen how he gets to the quarterback, right? Michael Parsons gets to the quarterback in a different way. Michael Parsons is very versatile, but different. All right. Very fair. All right. You watching any World Cup action right now? Oh, yeah. USA back in it. Uh, Germany just lost today. Their backs out. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Australia's in. Yep. That's right. Uh, what have you enjoyed the most? Watching U.S. Uh, get, I mean, U.S. England was awesome. Even it, though it was a draw, it was still awesome. Yeah, well, and then you watch what happened in this uh, this last match, and uh, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, USA versus Iran in school. That was awesome. Yeah. Oh, you got to. Oh, wait a minute. Now, hang on. You got to watch it in school, too. Yep, yep. Christian Pulisic goal. That was awesome. What teacher allowed you to watch it? I don't even know. I think I was in lunch at the time when Pulisic scored the goal, and then we couldn't watch it during school. Oh, so, oh, so you didn't have a teacher. See, we yeah, have yeah, yeah. we had uh, listeners that told us that they uh, some teachers tweeted in or texted in and said that they let their classes watch the World Cup during school. For the Mexico match, we had it on the big screen. Wait a minute now. Why would you have Mexico on the big screen and not the U.S.? Different, cl- different class, different teacher. Really? That is interesting. Did he have it on in Spanish or English? English. Oh, I should have watched in Spanish with Andres Cantor. That's the way to do it. That guy's amazing. Adrian, fascinating, isn't it, that they allowed a big screen Mexico soccer match, but not the USA? Well, it's all based on teachers. It's it's like A day B day kind of thing. But I, I understand where where he's coming from. I heard teachers who said they watch both. Some of them uh, wheeled in like a TV to watch mm. the U.S. and the Mexico game. Others brought it on the projector. Uh, you know, I, shout out to all the teachers who are watching the World Cup during the during the day. I love it. We salute you, teachers. We really do. All right. Are you ready to pick NFL games next? So ready. I'm going to feed this week. Oh, yeah. 
right. undefeated. Why don't you stop with the no undefeated? Losses. Just don't pick against. Just don't pick against the Giants. You know what? You should do that. Pick against the Giants, and maybe you'll win a week. They're playing the Commanders. I'm not going to pick against the Giants. Are they home or on the road? Home. All right. We'll come back. Rachel Phillips next. Stay with us. Uh, Lane Frank's appearance brought to you by River Oaks Properties, folks. As we head over to Charlie One and get this traffic update. Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. By the way, um, check the stats from last week. Adrian, you went 11-5 and five in the NFL last week. Lane went 10-6. and six. Oh, Very close. It came down to Monday Night Football. Wow, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry. Hey, that Jeff Saturday, uh, no timeout. Come on, Lane, what's what's happening there? He's not a real NFL head coach. What do you want me to say? It would have been you, you or me doing that kind of stuff, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's an analyst. I, feel, I mean, we could have done better. I think so, too. Then why'd you pick him? Colts, Steelers been playing terrible. I home. I like the Colts, but I like the Steelers' young players. You know Kenny that. Pickett. I like Kenny Pickett. Nice Harris got things going. Yep, absolutely. And yep. they've got a and they've got a freaking wide receiver. George Pickens. He's going to be he's, awesome. ter- he's going to be terrific. I'm telling I mean, you, most underrated pick ever. You could say. I mean, he tore his ACL his last year of college. That's why he didn't, wasn't a first round pick. I'm with you. Um, are you ready for Rachel Phillips? Uh, so ready. from ABC Seven. Like I said, undefeated week. All right. Hang on, hang on one second, Rachel. Let me uh, plug you in here. Let me see where you've got. Oh, I got you right in there. There you go. Um, welcome, Rachel. Welcome back. This is the second time you've done this. First, you did Bernie and the uh, college games. Now you have the NFL games. I know, and I never got the uh, the call up from Bernie as to whether I, I beat him or not and got my dinner. So I got to check those stats out. You do need to. We have to check and ask Bernie. Bernie keeps everything, so we'll find out what happened. Um, Rachel, you have been here for the last twenty minutes. You've listened to Lane through the first segment. Uh, thoughts on our four. 14-year-old um, regular here every Thursday at 6 o'clock on Sports Talk. My initial thought was, how on earth do you and I still have jobs? I know. That's the question. I'm, I'm the knowledge you. was insane. It is insane. He's, I'm telling you, he's going to be hosting this show in December when we're on vacation. It's what's going to end up happening. Um, his show is uh, Schoolyard Sports. It's a podcast. He's got video. He has audio. He's got different versions. It drops every week around this time, and it's available on all platforms. 102 shows he's done every week since he was 12 when he started. That's insane. I think that's the – you obviously have the knowledge, but you're also willing to work at it, which is the coolest thing because a lot of people just try and cruise through, but you're not doing that. You're working hard. I guess that's the most thing I'm surprised by that. I kept on going with it. Like, didn't really hit me that I'd done 102 weeks. Did it surprise you that you're still doing it? I mean, maybe if I told myself in the beginning, but right now, no. You're enjoying it. That's what it's all For about. Sure. Does it even feel like work anymore? Not really. I kind of just like it, doing it every week, new stuff every week. There you go. That's, That's good. The dream right there. That is the dream. 100%. That's why we do our jobs. You know what? He's got a better looking studio than we do. How about that? It's incredible what he's got in his in his house, and 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 when he travels and goes on locations, it's beautiful. All right, uh, here we go. We're going to start these games. We're going to start with today's game. This is a game that kicked off about ten minutes ago. Bills and Patriots. All right, Buffalo eight and three, four and two on the road. Patriots are six and five, three and two at home. It's at Foxborough in Gillette Stadium. Uh, we don't pick. With the spread here, Rachel, we just picked straight-up winners. I will give you the spread just for uh, reference purposes. Buffalo is a four-point road favorite in this one. Who do you like tonight, Bills or Pats? Cannot go against Josh Allen. Bills all the way. All right, so Rachel takes the Bills. What about you, Lane? The reason why the Lions gave the Bills fits was because the Lions have an amazing offense. Patriots do not go Bills. All right, so you both agree on the Bills uh, to start. Excellent. All right. I've got you down for that. Here we go. We'll start with Sunday games now. These are 11 o'clock games. Steelers and Falcons from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Steelers, 4-7, and 2-4 and four on the road. Falcons, 5-7, and 4-2 and two at home. 
Pittsburgh laying one-point favorites over the Falcons. Falcons have just regressed. Remember when they were in the lead for the AFC South or NFC South? I yeah, do. That's not sticking anymore. Steelers got great players. Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, TJ Watts back and healthy now. Pat Farrymuth's a great tight end. Go Steelers. All right, Steelers from Lane. What about you, Rachel? Yeah, this one's a tough one, but I am going to go with Steelers too. I actually watched an awesome story on Najee Harris, how he got to where he is, and I'm all Steelers right now riding his train. Inspired by the story on Najee Harris. Yeah, like I'm that. like, after watching that, that guy can do anything. I love it. This game is normally a fun one, although this year records have been tough for both the Packers and the Bears. Bears are 3-9. and nine. They're 2-3 and three at home. Packers are 4-8, and 1-5 and five on the road. It's at Soldier Field in Chicago. Somebody's got to win. Packers are three-point favorites. Rachel, who are we taking here? Is Aaron Rodgers going to be healthy? Do we know that yet? He claims he's playing. He said that uh, he Does that plans- mean much anymore nowadays? No, yeah. but it doesn't. Oh. And, and Aaron Rodgers hasn't been good this year. That's just the facts. I can't go against the hometown boy in Aaron Jones. I'm, I'm going to go Packers. All right, Packers for Rachel. What about you, Lane? You know, I posted on my Squared Sports Instagram today, looking back on it, the Broncos have just taken fields instead of going after Russell Wilson offseason later. But Fields really doesn't have great stats this year. Yes, he has 20 total touchdowns, but his completion percentage is down. He's taking more sacks. His rushing yards are there, not the passing yards. If he's healthy, they still lose this one. Go Packers. All right. By the way, you said rushing yards are there. I agree. 834 rushing yards for Fields and seven touchdowns on the ground. He's great, but through the air, not so much. All right. Let's keep moving right now. Jets and Vikings will be next from U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. The New York Jets, 7-4, and 4-1 on the road. The Vikings, 9-2, and 5-1 at home. Minnesota, three-point home favorites in this and again, Lane, should be a fun one. Who are you taking? You know, I've only taken the Jets once, and that was last week. That's not staking. Go Vikings. Why are you so fast on going against the Jets this week? And Mike White, the, the Vikings, new savior of the, New York. The Vikings have an extended rest. They've been playing great. Mike White will fizzle out like he did last year. Go Vikings. All right. What about you, Rachel? This is going to be one where I think I go against the tide a little bit. I'm going to lock in Jets. I, I know they've been a little up and down, but to see how many wins they've got this season, it's been fun to watch, and I hope they get another one this weekend. Very smart pick. I like that. Yeah, especially so in Rachel, front of you. Hey? That's right. Yeah. Rachel goes with the Jets. All right, Jags and Lions are next. This is another 11 o'clock game at Ford Field in Detroit. Both teams are 4-7. and seven. Lions are 2-4 and four at home. Jags are 1-4 and four on the road. All right, uh, lead us off here, Rachel. Who are we taking? Tough one, I'm going to go with Jaguars. Any particular reason why? Not really, no. It, that one is a flip of the coin. I know uh, Megan Elkin is going to be annoyed at me because she's a Lions fan through she and is. through, so I'm sorry. But, uh, yeah, go on, Jaguars. All right, Megan. Sorry about that. By the way, Megan has been a past uh, guest on this segment as well. Did she beat Lane? Um, she's good. I think Megan, I may have won that one. I think, you, I think it was close, but I think you did slip uh, yeah. past Megan. All right, what do you like <laughs> yeah, in the Lions one, and Jags? Uh, I like the Jags this one. Trevor Lawrence is amazing. Jamal Williams is good for the Lions, but Travis Etienne's better. Lions play great when they play a great team, not so much when they play a medium team like the Jaguars. Go Jaguars. Next up, Commanders and Giants. Both of these teams have seven wins. The Commanders are 7-5. and five. The Giants are 7-4. and four. The Commanders are 4-2 and two on the road. The Giants are 4-2 and two at home. Washington, that's right, Washington, two-and-a-half-point road favorites in this one lane. Brian Robinson for the Commanders has come on a lot as late. Uh, as late, um, Taylor Heineke's playing great. Taylor McCormick's playing great. But I really like the Giants to back back, uh, bounce back in this one. Give me Daniel Jones. Give me Saquon. Give me Darius Slayton. Give me Big Blue. Go Giants. Give them your team is what you're basically saying. You're, again, you're picking with your heart. I'm hearts. not saying the Giants. I'm saying my Giants. You're picking with your heart. Picking with my heart. They're underdogs. They're going to win. 
All right, fair enough. What about you, Rachel? I have a soft spot for the Giants, too. They're one of my three teams in the league that I like, so uh, I'm, I'm going to go Giants, too. And you're picking them just because you like them. Yeah, right. 100%. You got, I'm with Lane on this. you got to have a little – are you saying, telling me that you pick against the Jets? Oh, yeah. What? No. no. Not this you week, know, Not this week. but I do pick against the Jets, I, absolutely. No. I've got the – there are some teams well, – Why do you think they're being the Vikings, then? Because I think they're playing good football right now, especially on the defensive side. They're hot, and they're not afraid. Okay. And I'm not sold on the Vikings just yet. I watched them against the Cowboys. I'm not ready to just jump all over the cow- the uh, Vikings bandwagon. So it, no. It depends for me, but on this game where it's already close, I'm going to go with my heart over Makes anything sense. else. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Titans and Eagles are next. Titans are 7 and 4. 4 and 2 on the road. Coming off that loss to the Bengals last week. Eagles are 10 and 1, 5 and 1 at home. They're four and a half point favorites at uh, the link uh, in this game. Rachel, who do you like? Titans or Eagles? Absolutely no question here. Eagles all the way. They're soaring. Uh, Eagles are soaring, Lane. What about you? I know everybody thinks the Eagles are so overrated, but when you look at the stats, they're amazing. Titans could give them fits, but Ryan Tannehill won't get the job done. Give me the Eagles. Okay, fair enough. The only game that the two of you have disagreed on so far in our first seven was the Jets and Vikings. So interesting as we head over now to the... Let's see, we got two more early games, then we got late games. So let's do the Broncos-Ravens next. Broncos are 3-8, and 1-5 and five on the road. The Ravens, 7-4, and 3-2 and two at home. This game is at M&T Bank Stadium in Baltimore. And Lane, uh, the Ravens, 8.5-point favorites. This is the most Broncos game to win. They're not going to win this one. Give me the Ravens. Okay, why is it the most Broncos game to win? Because they've been terrible all season, and they play well, and they play a great team. But Ravens need a bounce-back win. They lost to the Jags last week. Lamar plays well in this one. They run the ball well in this one. Go Ravens. All right, fair enough. That's a lot of mouthful there, uh, Rachel. What do you think, Broncos or Ravens? I used to love Russ, but I uh, just can't go with him anymore. Ravens all the way. Okay, that takes us to our next game, Browns and Texans. The good news is somebody's got to win this game. Browns are uh, four and seven, one and four on the road. The Texans are one nine and one, oh four and one at home. By the way, this is the return um, of a quarterback that is highly controversial. And uh, let's just put it this way: Deshaun Watson has not made a lot of friends around recently, but he will be suiting up for the Browns against the Texans. Rachel, do you think Deshaun will have some rust, or will he lead Cleveland to a win over Houston? I reckon he's taking them to a win. All right. Browns. Cleveland's seven-point favorites, Lane. This game can end up being hilarious. Uh, Kyle Allen's going to start for the Texans this one. They played good offense last week. Deshaun Watson's return. I can't go against the Browns. They got a great one against the Buccaneers last week. Ground and pound. Give me the Browns, but Deshaun will be rusty. When was the last time you saw a hilarious football game like you're describing? I don't know. It just I think it could be a Texans win, something just ironic. I understand. All right, let's get to the four late games. Then we've got the Sunday night and the Monday night game. Um, but before we do, Adrian, it's 31 past. I just realized this. Are, you, are we ready for one more Sports Center? Let's crank it out. It's coming up next here, 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, here we go with the late games. Let's get things done. We've got four of them to go, and then we've got the Sunday night and the Monday night game. All right, Seahawks and Rams. Oh, this one's going to be interesting. Seattle, 6-5, and 3-3 three and three on the road, coming off a bad loss last week. The Rams, 3-8. and eight. Three and eight for the defending Super Bowl champs. They're two and four at home. They're seven point underdogs to the Seahawks as we started off with Lane. Lane, what's happening? I love the Seattle team. I know they had a tough loss last week, but they play well in the beginning in that game, then they kind of let Josh Jacobs run all over them. I like the Seahawks. Rams quarterback situation just abysmal right now. Give me the Seahawks. Rachel, your turn. I don't think anyone expected the Rams to have this kind of a season, at least to turn around off the back of that one. I- 
I find it hard to go against them, so I'm not going to. We're going to go with Rams. All right. Rams at home over the Seahawks. Uh, it's just the second game the two of you disagree, but let's see what happens here. This next one's interesting. 49ers hosting the Dolphins. The Dolphins, the Miami Dolphins, not the Don Shula Dolphins, the Tua Dolphins, 8-3, and 3-2 three, three and two on the road. The 49ers, 7-4, and 4-1 four, four and one at home. Something's got to give out at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. San Francisco, four-point favorites, Rachel. Who are we taking? Dolphs, come on. Tua, Waddle. I want to see more Waddle celebrations. They're the best. All right. What about you, Lane? Dolphins have a really hard upcoming schedule. They play the Bills. They play the Packers. They play a couple other great teams in there. Uh, it's going to be tough for the Dolphins, but Tua has not lost the game. He started and finished in. I think he loses his first one. Jimmy G, 16 touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, the project never really beats the mentor. Mike McDaniel won't beat his mentor, Kyle Shanahan. All right, so you guys are disagreeing there, too. Lane takes starting the 49ers. Some, I like it. It's sway here. starting to get juicy on this segment. <laughs> That's good. Chiefs and Bengals are next. Kansas City, 9-2, and 4-1 and one on the road. Bengals, 7-4, and 3-1 and one at home. It's at Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati. It's going to be 47 degrees outside. KC, minus two lane. Will they win on the road or will the Bengals come up with Chiefs, a big win? Chiefs need a win in this one. I mean, for their respect, they lost them twice last year. I think they're going to get a win in a big way. By 15 points, you can call it even the Chiefs. Wow, Chiefs in a Whoa. rout. That's unbelievable. What about you, Rachel? They're angry. I think this game is going to be an absolute cracker. Uh, I'm going to go against Lane again and go with Joey B. Bengals. All right. I like that. By the way, when something's a cracker, what does that mean? It means it's great. Yeah, I've got yeah careful word to say in this this country. doesn't mean the same thing in Australia. It just means awesome. Okay. Is, like, is, that, is that a word that if we were doing a sports radio show in Australia, we would be able to say? Oh, 100%. Yeah, All yeah, right, yeah. so it's like a banger, it's that like, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I no, got gotcha. you. completely normal word. Fantastic. All right, next time next time we say the word cracker, Adrian, we know what we're talking about. Yeah, we can like quote it. Rachel. That's There's good. There's some really good ones that Rachel's told us here on, uh, on the show before. I like that, too. All right, Chargers and Raiders are next. That's the final late game. Chargers are 6-5, and 4-2 and two on the road. Raiders. The Raiders, 4-7, and 2-2 two and two at home. Believe it or not, the Raiders are one-point favorites at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas in this one, Rachel. Disagree with the odds there going Chargers. All right, Lane. Josh McDaniels got way too much disrespect this season. They've come on as of late. I think the injuries have kind of helped the Raiders, getting more guys involved. I'm going to go against Rachel again on this one. Give me the Raiders. I love it. All right, uh, let's see what happens here. I think this could be the easiest game of the day. Cowboys and Colts, Sunday night football. Indianapolis, 4-7-1, and 2-3-1 and one on the road. The Cowboys, 8-3. and three. Five and one at home. Dallas Lane, ten and a half point favorites. No doubt about it. Second coming of Lawrence Taylor, as you said, Mike Parsons. Thank you. We'll have a big game in this one. Dak Prescott won't play well in this one, but the Cowboys will still win. When you mention that on Schoolyard Sports, make sure you attribute that to me, okay? Oh, well, I for sure. sure. And I, I mention every week. Yes. I mention every week. My fans want to see you. all my picks to listen. Thank you very As much. As first reported by Steve Kapowitz. Appreciate yeah. that. That's good. What about you? Uh, taking uh, Cowboys or Colts? Pains me to say it because I really dislike the Cowboys, which I know is a rough thing to say in El Paso, but I do. But I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Fair enough. Monday night game, Bucks and Saints. Tampa, 5-6. and six. Three and three at home. Saints four and eight. One and four on the road. Tampa Bay three and a half point home favorites at Raymond James Stadium. What, what's going to happen here, Rachel? TB is uh, been pretty hot and cold this season. Obviously, a lot of stuff going on on and off the field. But I think uh, he'll get things together this game and uh, give the Bucks a win. Excellent, Lane. Preseason, I said the Bucks would lose the game to the Falcons, which they haven't. I said they would lose the game to the Panthers, which they have. I said they would lose the game to the Saints. 
They're not going to lose a game to the Saints. Give me the Buccaneers. All right. There it is. We finished it up. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five games the two of you disagree on. That's good news. That means that one of you will be a winner. We will not have a tie this week. I'm excited about that. That's good news. And uh, if, in fact, Rachel outpicks you, which, to be honest with you, the way you're trending is pretty good, uh, <laughs> she will be heading to King's Barbecue and enjoying some delicious Southern barbecue. Thank you to King's, and uh, thank you to Junior for uh, being such a great supporter of uh, this radio show and this station. Um, any final uh, words of encouragement to Lane, Rachel, before we end this uh, masterpiece? Before I get to the encouragement, I guess I should say thank you already for giving me King's Barbecue because <laughs> I've got this one on the back. I don't know about that one. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I'm so impressed by you. I can't wait Thank to you. see how your career goes, and I can't wait to listen to some of the shows come December when you're, when you're hosting. Thank, Thank you man. so much. He'll be, a good, he'll be a good feature story for KVIA. He would be a very good feature story. I, I would like agree it. with that. Anything uh, uh, you have for Rachel? Hopefully do well in the picks that we both shared on, but uh, I want to win the differences. All right, good for you. Uh, Rachel, when are you back on TV? Uh, gosh, tomorrow night, 6 p.m. Good, and yes. in the weekend as well. Yes, the weekend as well when we got got uh, Sun Bowl picks on Sunday. Excellent. Saturday we've got uh, NMSU playing their last game before bowl game. Mm-hmm. And then also UTEP men's basketball back at home. So what happened this weekend? Were you at the uh, Pan Am last night watching that game? I wasn't. I was at uh, the Don because I was on the call for the, the women's basketball game. Oh, that's right. You were working with yeah. Mondo last yeah, night. Yeah, fun. Good for you. Yeah, that's cool. terrific. All right, excellent. Uh, appreciate you dropping in, and uh, we'll see you again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. All right, every week we do this, folks, with Lane Frank, and it's brought to you by River Oaks Properties, folks. Schoolyard Sports, episode 102. It's dropped. Give us a quick preview before we wrap up this segment. Awesome episode. Talk about the new hirings in college football. We got Hugh Freeze. We got Matt Rule. We got Luke Fickle. If you want to see more Squared Sports content, follow the Instagram. It's a great episode. I get my conference championship picks. Talk a little bit about Tua. He's my spotlight this week. A lot more. All right, good. Looking forward to it. You know, Mike, Mike uh, is not your sponsor. This uh, Mike White's not your, you know, your spotlight. No, Mike if White. Mike White beats the Vikings, will he be your spotlight next week? I'll have to see. Talk about Mike White. Maybe we'll talk about the backstory of Mike White. You might have to. We'll right. see. We'll, we'll see. talk to you next Thursday. I think I did Mike White spotlight last year when they beat the Bengals. How's the uh, tennis uh, season going so far for you? Awesome. Got another on. tournament tomorrow. It'll be fun. Are you uh, uh, singles or doubles or both? Doubles next. Uh, doubles tomorrow. Doubles. Doubles. Okay. How's your doubles team? We've been doing well so far. I lost the championship last week, but hopefully I can win it this week. Who are you guys playing this week? We're playing, uh, it's just every school, so in Cornell and El Paso, so Socorro, Franklin, El Paso High, a bunch of schools will be there. Do you talk trash to them like you do on this segment? Do you like to uh, take your opponents and try to talk them uh, down during a match? Not always. Maybe, nah, no, never really. Do you have a temper? Do you get mad and throw a racket? Not really, because good. I know. No, definitely not. So you got, you got good sportsmanship. Of course. I appreciate that. Keep it up, all right? We'll appreciate talk to you next Steve. week. You got it. He's Lane Frank, folks, uh, joining us from Schoolyard Sports. We'll come back, wrap things up next as Sports Talk continues.